you say, okay, I can get you the raw footage, I can put it all together and send it up to you, but if I have to write a text and edit pictures as well, there's no way I can do the full job myself. An awful lot of them, as I say, Sky Sports News, Reuters, AP, they all have different ways of editing anyway. So the chances are that whatever you send in, they're going to want to tweak it. So as long as you're not dumb and you're sending like, two gigs of, uh, of footage to somebody that they're never going to use, it's going to take them a long time to get through. If you can just edit it down very, very quickly and send it off, they'll take it from there. Um, it's very, very stressful to do these things, especially when you're sitting there trying to keep so many balls in the air. The Irish Independent called me at that game and they said that we want the Swedish reaction, we want 800 words. Uh, and we wanted by 11 o'clock Swedish time. The game finished at 25 to 11 Swedish time. So you had 25 minutes not only to get in with the press conference, get the dictaphone with the nose of Trapattoni, and write these days the words, but you also had to ask the Swedes what it was they thought about it. Now, as we all know, there's no sense in just having one voice there that's not representative. So you have to ask three or four people, and you're hoping to God that the three or four people that you could turn out to be wasting your time on say something interesting, and that you can get it down fast and accurate and get it away. Uh, I had hoped to take a couple of days off after that, but I was thinking to turn down a couple of other stories. To up, but it's a huge amount of pressure that you're working under. Uh, the problem with that is not the fact that it's pressure. The problem with that is the likelihood of making mistakes. The problem with that is that you're sending something with a Swedish name on it that's spelled wrong to Reuters, and that kind of thing. You still have to put the same amount of time into checking what you've got. You have to make sure that if you're sending a photograph to somebody, if you send a text to somebody, a good editor can always fix a bad deck, a text. But if you're sending a photograph to somebody, no editor in the world can fix a bad photograph. You know, if it's overexposed or underexposed, it can be very, very difficult to fix that. So you have to make sure that the, you get the fundamentals of what you're doing right all the time, whether it's text, videos, or pictures. Uh, one of the last things that I'd like to say is the big advantage that we've had, and this has been very much a sort of an Irish focus thing today. I don't really do a whole lot for Swedish media. It was only recently, uh, one of the biggest things I did for Swedish media was actually the Irish aspect of the Lance Armstrong story, because David Walsh and Paul Kimmage were involved there. And that had a huge effect over there, but I don't do a whole lot of work for them. I tend to do an awful lot of work uh, internationally. To be honest, Ireland is very, very difficult to make money here. If they're going to pay you 50 euros for a radio stop for five minutes, it's very, very difficult to make it work. Uh, I do a lot of work internationally because of the fact that we have a massive, massive advantage in being English-speaking. The two editors that sat here before myself and Brian and Mary sat down will tell you that you know it's one thing getting a text that's badly written. We, we have a natural propensity, or if it, we, it doesn't take that much for us to write a very, very clear text that they can use and they can make something of. And last week, I'm going to start doing some work now for technologyreview.com, which is an American-based website. And I realized that they probably pay better if I can, yeah, they, they pay more than what Richard at the Sunday Times is paying for a feature of a similar length. So it's very much worth your while as freelancers to think outside the box and to say, okay, it's great to see that uh, the Irish Independent, the Irish Times are that. And if you spread yourself out to these places, at the moment, you know, it, there's pressure cost everywhere. But there's no recession in Sweden. So if you can write an English language text, for somebody over there, you're going to get well paid for it. There's no recession in parts of the American industry, and there's certainly no recession when it comes to TV over there, because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for as much content as possible. I think I'm going to turn you over to Brian now after knocking the head off you with all that, but I'd happily take uh, some questions at the end. We'll, we'll take questions at the end. Um, you may just have called a flood of freelancers to uh, call the Swedish media by telling them there's no recession in Sweden. Um, can I ask, just out of curiosity, people here, are there anyone here who is working only in print, for instance, in, in the room today? I mean, is everyone one, one person only in print? Um, so, is everyone here multimedia to a greater or lesser extent? Very lesser. Lesser. Lesser, <laughs> lesser extent. Very, very much lesser extent. Um, and just to pick up on something else that Philip mentioned is the use of, of social media for, for generating <coughs> needs. How many people are not using Facebook or Twitter here for work? 
for work. So we're all we're all using social media for work at this stage. Okay, very good. Right. Do I follow that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, thanks. Uh, maybe what I'll talk about a little bit is I would have started out as a print journalist, so features journalist for the Irish Times from about say 2003 onwards, and I would have seen that then as a pretty stable thought I was uh, fairly set for the next five or ten years but increasingly over the last especially the last five years uh, I don't see my priority being in print anymore um, I increasingly see my problem is if I come across a good feature or a good story or a good human interest story so what do I do with it and that's increasingly my problem now who's going to pay me the most money where am I going to get expenses and can I double up on it uh, it's not worth my while really to travel three hours to write a 1200 word print feature anymore the money isn't there in print I'm not going to get the expenses um, it is worth my while to do that if I can get a, a, a five minute or a ten minute radio item out of it so it's just simple economics now that you have to be multimedia it's just, I don't think there's any way of making a living in Ireland being a freelance printer and solely, I think it's impossible and I've done it for 11 years um, and feel that I have a fairly okay income now but that's only because I have about seven different revenue streams at the moment um, and I'm trying to predict in three years' time. About three years ago, I was trying to predict what, what will I do. I could see print wasn't there the way it was. Um, I mean, we were getting 400, 450 for features. That's down to 250 now, probably less sometimes. Um, so it, it's just simple economics. I, I don't think you can afford to be strictly a, a, a print journalist. And in a way, it's like what you were saying. You're not cannibalizing yourself. It's quite easy, actually, to double up on a story and to give people different content. So... The stuff, for, for me, the stuff Pat Kenny's interested in isn't the stuff that the Irish Science Feature Desk is interested in. So there is no great crossover. And once I'm careful not to uh, tread on the toes of my commissioning editors or not to give them something that I've had er, maybe six weeks ago, uh, it's very easy, I think, to make, to make both the story really pay for you. Um, the other area that I found has worked quite well is syndication overseas. Like you were saying, there's a, for feature journalists, featurewell.com, based in New York, run by David Wallace who's an ex-New York Times and basically he will syndicate your stuff that might have an international outlook uh, the split is 60-40 you get 60 they get 40 and for a story that you filed and that's not going anywhere it's a pretty good way to make revenue to deal with papers like the LA Times Indian, India, Asia uh, they've got a big outreach to places like Dubai and uh, I find that works fairly well there's a little bit of confusion over who owns rights sometimes uh, my argument would be that the Irish Times own first print and first online rights and I own all secondary rights but that can be a bit of a grey area so you might just want to check with that I mean I'm not very good at negotiating contracts for one-off articles I probably should and negotiate exactly where what are the rights here how long does the Irish Times have it for online rights uh, and again the online rights wasn't something we ever negotiated online came in we got, got the same fee for our print features as we always got uh, whereas obviously there's a, a, an extra additional revenue being made off our work now online and I think it's something that freelancers in Ireland we haven't been very good at at, uh, at, at, at sort of articulating for a better deal um, so I guess um, how it works for me now is that I see myself more and more in broadcast and I have to be careful obviously because you know, as, a, as it is at the moment Prince is still paying the mortgage probably won't be in about 2-3 to three years time so for me I see far more opportunities in broadcast in Ireland right now but the broadcast isn't just a matter of me you know, building up a presence on, on the Pack Any show or on, on, with RTE it's as much about me setting up my own audio boo account so setting up my own mini radio account and all of my reports I will drive out through that account 
and I will collate everything through audio boo at the moment on SoundCloud if I can. Um, I started with SoundCloud, I've now moved on to Audioboo because I just find they're much easier to use and they understand the needs of radio journalists uh, a little bit more. So for, for me it's as important obviously to build up my brand as it is for me to be associated with the Pat Kenny Show. Um, and that works by, I will just take, take the 10 minute report, put it on Audioboo and I'll tweet it or Facebook it afterwards. And I'll invariably send Audioboo an email to let them know that I've uploaded, uploaded one, of my, one of my reports to their account and I'll ask them to tweet it as well so they've got whatever amount of thousands of followers. So again, for me, it's as important. If anything, over the last 10 years has taught me, it's taught me to be incredibly mercenary uh, and to not uh, affiliate, myself, affiliate myself with somebody where it works for me, but not to uh, allow that to sort of um, shut off of other opportunities. And that's really what I found over the last 10 years. So now it's as much about building up my brand, which I know is I don't really like using those terms, but it is really as much about building up my work as it is about me helping a show like Fakini's show uh, be a better show or, or helping the feature stages of the Irish Times have better features in it. Um, so the, the way it works then is that there is more money in radio at the moment. The other thing that there is in radio at the moment I find that there isn't in print is that there are more funding opportunities. So the BAI, for example, would have been funded in the last two rounds for a, a series and a one-off program, and uh, I find there, you know, quite good rates of pay available through through the BAI. I know it's a really laborious and it's a pain in the ass, you know, trying to, and, and sometimes you have no idea why what criteria you don't hit. But uh, it is worth taking the time to meet people who've successfully gone through that process uh, and find out what are the buzzwords, what are the things they're looking for. Um, like last year I did a five part series for RT Radio 1 I think the funding was about 25,000 for that uh, which isn't quite bad because there was maybe two of us working on it you know we didn't need a, a huge team um, so I would suggest anyone to go down the BAI route it's definitely worth, worth looking at isn't it and the great thing too of the last five years is that suddenly everybody's talking to everybody you know there was a time when we all guarded our own patch mm -hmm. and especially in local areas and I live in Cork and uh, we just didn't want to talk to anybody else but now we are all talking to each other and suddenly we're putting our skills together we're doubling up with each other you come in on me on this on this project proposal I'll come in on you on the next one um, and I think that's great you know that, that collaboration is there certainly wasn't there up to five up to five years ago um, so the only way it works for me at the moment like I said I have six or seven revenue streams one is a media advisory role that I have uh, so the Irish Times still just about pays the mortgage the pack any work is, is pretty good at the moment but again I change a producer and we're probably back to the back of the queue <laughs> you know, and people say to me how do you come up with ideas or how do you keep churning it out well it's out of fear paranoia uh, the bill uh, yeah the fact that there's someone behind you breathing down your neck all the time who's probably pronounces their THs better than I do who's probably uh, <laughs> far more polished on radio so it is that fear that keeps driving you on um I, I do worry, you know, about print, and I worry about where, where that's going to end up. And I worry as well, but is there, there's no one here currently working in the Irish Times. Is there? No. I worry as well that, say, for example, my my skills would have been okay. I'm able to make radio series, and I'm able to edit radio, but those skills aren't being utilised by print at the moment. And I think that is, in a way, where print are missing the boat. Um, the likes of me should be. There's no reason why my radio reports or radio series shouldn't be on the Irish Times or the Irish Independent's website. And I've written for both publications and yet they aren't and I'm giving that content to somebody else and it seems to me uh, not just me but there are lots of journalists like me I think who who have lots of other skills that are not being used um, 
and I think that that is that is uh, something that's been missed, I think, by by friends at the moment. Uh, the reason we aren't, I suppose, is because the money isn't there. Uh, it wouldn't pay me to file a radio report to the Irish Times on top of my feature piece. It just wouldn't pay me. I might as well file it somewhere else where I'm going to get a couple of hundred euros for plus expenses. Um, maybe we'll open up the questions. I don't know where. I'll change I thought it was interesting what you said there, Brian, about your brand. You know, as, like being Brian O'Connell who works for RT and works for the Irish Times, and that to me is where it's, it's going to end up. They're going to say, okay, we're going to have to pay this guy because he has these skills. He does. He has a readership. He has a listenership. People recognise the voice. THs are no, but you know they get into that. They like the stories that Brian tells. And to be honest, I got to know Brian through Twitter, and I read Brian's book a couple of years back. We shared the same publisher, and I started to read what he wrote. But it's actually for me, his radio broadcasts are absolutely excellent. And there was, you know, this is not a mutual back scratching exercise. <laughs> I like the way Brian tells stories. <coughs> there could be other people who are technically better, or who might be better at this or do. But I like the way he does it. Therefore, I listen to. Him. Now, whether they get they're on RTE or the Irish Times, but that makes absolutely no difference to me, and it doesn't make any difference to the next generation of media consumers who are coming up through YouTube and that kind of thing. They don't care where this they don't care who pays for it but they just want to hear it plus we're playing catch up like it takes me too long to edit a report really to be honest with you but yeah. I know the kids coming up and just edit a lot quicker than I can yeah. um, you know it probably takes me four hours to edit a 15 minute PK piece which is too long really yeah. you know? and it's only because I'm, st- I'm still grasping with Audacity and Pro Tools and all these things but um, yeah I find that that I'm kind of playing catch up do you want to say something about the kit you use because we've seen Philip's and he's told us he has more cameras. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. What, 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 yeah. I just use I just use the same Zoom H4n, which is what's recording us here. Um, I, I have it in the bag with me all the time. I never leave home without it. Basically, um, it's 240 euros. You get it in Walton's in Dublin, or you can buy it online. Um, the advantages of it are is, is that it, like I made my five-part radio series last year for RT on on the Zoom, which is kind of amazing for 240 euro piece of kit. You can make a, a fu- you know a full radio quality broadcast series. Um, the disadvantages are it can be a little bit tricky to use, as you know, you tend to pop a little bit with it. Have to, uh, I had a report on PK this morning and it, it was terrible the sound quality because it was it was very windy and even though I had a windshield, I just need a bit of a, a better quality kit for it. Um, that's all I use is the Zoom H friends. They're they're a nightmare on batteries. <laughs> I don't know if you use them, you'll know that. And again, I just plug it in. I, I edit with Audacity at the moment, so it's just a very clumsy, free online uh, editing package. Uh, I do have started to tend to take some some photographs. So if I have a PK piece, I'll send them in a picture, like the two guys in the in the bathroom in Ennis last week. I took a picture and I said, you know, upload a picture to the website tomorrow morning, or get RT Press to send it out in advance as the report. Um, yeah, Zoom H for I haven't found the better. I, 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 I was in Walton's last week. I wanted to kind of upgrade from the Zoom, and it's not available yet. They were telling me, and I haven't found a better, a better piece of kit. Okay, thank you. Will we open it to the floor? Questions. Uh, about, uh, about cameras. Uh, there's two types of cameras there. Is, uh, can you tell us what it is? Yeah, the one I have in front of me here is uh, it's a Canon. I think it was called a GX1. Uh, I ended up having to buy this because Tourism Ireland asked me to do a film for them, and I had a similar, so a slightly <coughs> smaller camera. But I scratched the lens of it. This is a fantastic camera, both for so straightforward. Uh, GX1. Uh, GX1, it's called. Uh, this is like it's very good for some, you know, very basic uh, pictures here. You know, if we can just get Brian to have a quick look at me here, we're going to get a little. Uh, we'll, take, we'll take Mary over right here. There you go, a little smile there. 
and of course I've turned it out. If we turn the screen around there, another great benefit that you can see the picture of Mary there. It's Christopher. You don't have to do anything. As soon as you put it on auto, you will actually get a good quality one. Now remember what I said about photographs. Like any editor in the world can fix a bad text, but nobody can fix a bad picture. This is a fantastic point of shoot camera. It's also very, very good on video. I've used this to do video of uh, Temple Bar for tourism or that kind of thing. The sound is useless. You cannot use the sound for anything. So you won't be able to film a video news report on it. But if you, if you put it together with the H4 and you take the sound track off that, you can actually sort of sync them together very quickly in a Mac using uh, Final Cut Pro, I think it is. Yeah. And that will give you something that you can sell then to the likes of Rogers or whatever if you have a good enough story. Uh, it's very, very simple. You can get into this thing of you know whether I should buy a Canon camera or an, all these extra lenses and that. I bought, I think I have two camera bodies at home. I've probably got about 10 grand worth of lenses. I haven't taken them out of the house in about three months. I just, I just don't use them. Ever since I got this, I use this one here for video. Uh, it's basically a glorified camera, uh, camcorder. It's a Sony. It costs about 1,700 euros to begin with, which sounds like a lot of money, but it pays for itself in about a month and a half. Because if you can deliver pictures that are reasonably good quality, this microphone here is tremendous. The sound quality of that is absolutely brilliant. It gives you something. The video on this is probably as good as the sound business. This is one thing. You set it up on the tripod, you point, you shoot, whatever you've got, you've got it. Uh, there's a little lamp on the top then if you want to annoy Robbie Keane you turn that on when he's in the middle of speaking and annoy him I'm always a for annoy Robbie Keane um, uh, for a 1700 euro camera the, the thing that I love most about this is A the sound the other is that there's a built in stabiliser in it so if you happen to be using it handheld if at all possible I try never to use a video camera handheld because nothing annoys me more than watching the news and seeing some guy shaking and even the best cameras when you have them up in the shoulder it's just impossible to hold them steady so always try to put it on the, on the, the tripod and then just not touch it you stand away to one side in the interview wherever you're doing the next thing you do is you turn the thing off and it's very very portable the black bag that's over here in the corner uh, I can get everything down into that there's the tripod so you have this bag those cameras the whole lot it all fits in there it doesn't weigh anything it'll get you through Ryanair it'll get you through uh, even more traumatic experiences than Ryanair <laughs> it's very very quick to move around it's very very quick to set up you might treat us for details I will indeed I'll try on the kit if you, did, yeah. if you didn't mind just to, to give people oh, the sorry just one last thing as well and this is the one thing that I love about this is that you can do your own little video blog pieces as well because you can turn the screen around and uh, you can have a look at yourself once you're on there as well uh, you can see the sound levels of that, you can see the work, so it's very, very easy. For somebody who works on their own, as I do, I think we were talking earlier on about using the Canon 5D camera, uh, and I had great difficulties with that because the focus would always be perfect until the moment I stepped away from the camera, and then everything would just go blurred. I also had a problem with, if you have an interview subject, I interviewed a guy about guns in Norway uh, back in January, it was one of the last jobs I did with the 7D, and the man had this nervous tendency to rock back and forth, so he rocked in and out of focus all the time. And uh, it was something that because you don't have the, the screen and you're not able to turn it around, I didn't notice this until I got back to Stockholm and basically I'd wasted 400 euros on a trip of video. Now, I could still write the text interview, I still had the still pictures, but you know, you probably would have had a good enough interview to be able to sell it to one of the TV stations. Yeah, but that'll never happen again. Yeah, but that's it, you're, you're stuck without it. Another one was, uh, I, I did, I interviewed Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who was the man who scored the famous goal from Manchester United win the Champions League. And for mm. once I didn't have the headphones on and there was something wrong with the microphone, they got no audio, so I got great pictures. But these are amateur always, mistakes. Always it's, it's literally, you want to put your head in a noose when you do things like that. Yeah. Okay. One more outlet, sorry, you just want to think of it, that uh, you may not have thought of. Uh, there's a company called newsflare.com. What I tend to do is if I offer it to some of the bigger news agencies or media outlets and they don't take it, I upload it to Newsflare. Newsflare at the moment do a similar thing to the site you were the features, where they give us sort of a 60 40 deal. Uh, I sold, I, I, I sell a reasonable amount of stories off them. It's often to be quirky stuff, you know, maybe the first snowfall or whatever you film something you throw it out there. So it's another outlet for stuff that you may not otherwise uh, make money out of.
There is indeed, yeah. There's two XLR things just on the side here, and you can get a handheld microphone in there as well. Okay. How did you get started with the technology? You said you started in Print Brian. How do you make that transition into actually then editing the audio? Um, I think I just started, uh, I used to do art pieces and then an art show started up on RT Radio and they asked would you, would you go along and, uh, and do a review and could you get a couple of minutes of clips afterwards, the audience reaction, so that was it really, uh, I was learning on the job, RT, at the time RT gave me the kit, it was compact, it was a mini disc, mini disc recorder and then evolved from there, the, the, um, the first bit I did was for the RT.com one and I did a documentary for, for them and the great thing about working with Doc on one team was that they assigned a producer to me, assigned, gave me all the gear and trained me up essentially and paid for it, which was fantastic. Um, so that was, uh, you know, invaluable really. And obviously they've, they've just had a course this weekend, uh, which is uh, similar to the type of thing, you know, you're learning on the job. So that was it. It was one-on-one -on -one mentoring with the RT Doc on one team about three years, two and a half years, three years ago. Um, with the with the pack any stuff then it's just been trial and error and uh, producers very firmly telling me what they didn't like. <laughs> More questions. Is it a problem with getting money out of people? <laughs> yeah. I, I was talking about this on Mario Fluka's radio program yesterday, and uh, that's the great benefit of working in Sweden is they have a state debt collector called Kronofogland. So if I work for a Swedish organisation, I send them an invoice. They usually have between 10 and 30 days to pay it. And on the 31st day, I send a reminder, and I put on a 5 euro uh, reminder charge, because that's all you're allowed to do by law. No problem in Sweden, because if you get a black mark against your name in Sweden, as a company or an individual, you're screwed, you're dead in the water, you'll never get credit again. It's f five years, basically. But, but over here, I have desperate problems. I haven't been paid by RTE for a year and a half. Uh, and I have this with fees all the time. Now, in that time, I've probably done 25, 30 jobs for RTE. Because the moment fees have decided uh, that they will only send a cross-check to me in Sweden, if I walk into a bank in Sweden with a check, they go, what the hell is that? They have no idea what it is. They haven't had checks in Sweden for 25 years or more. I'm a walking history lesson when I go in there with a check. So I haven't been able to get paid by them. I've gone back to RTE and said, can you make an electronic transfer? And they said, no, no, we, we don't do that. I said, can you make a check out to me here uh, that's not crossed so that I can cash it here? No, we don't do that either. Uh, do you have an Irish bank account? I have a company here in Ireland, but they won't make it out to the Irish company because I don't have a valid PPS number anymore. So that's a major, major problem with getting paid. I did notice that one newspaper... Uh, they paid me just before they commissioned me to do another job. So I haven't noticed that they haven't paid me up until that point. Uh, and they just sort of made a quick deposit in my bank account. Oh, by the way, this is just before the Sweden Ireland match. It's, it's immensely difficult, I find. Uh, over here, because you don't have the same structure, you know, I don't be coming here and saying Sweden is any sort of a paradise, but they do have a system. And just before I moved over there, there was a friend of mine, Ernie, who covered the Olympic swimming uh, for RTE when the Olympics comes around. Aaron had a Swedish coach called Glenn Christensen, and Glenn says, tell Phil now when he's moving over to Sweden that they have a system over there. And if you go against the system, they will kill you like a dog in the street, he says. And Aaron laughed like Brian laughed, and I went, no, no, like a dog in the street. And that's the way it works. It's very, it's very, very difficult to get things done. It takes an awful long time. If you pitch an article, if you think it's difficult pitching to the Sunday Times and he doesn't answer for a day or two, it could take months in Sweden. I did a film about a, a jazz trio over there, and the, the band leader died in a diving accident. I think it took me a year and a half to get them to agree to fund a five-minute film that they asked me to make. That's, that's how long the whole process took. So it takes an awful long time, but at least you know you get paid at the end of it. Just out of curiosity, anyone here having trouble getting paid at the moment? Anyone? 
Mm. Okay, well, it's fewer than I would have expected on the current climate. Questions about it? Uh, yeah, I just have a, a question, I suppose, on the foreign language side of things. Did, did you have any Swedish going over to I mean, I presume you're majority of work going to English anyway. It is, yeah. But um, did you have Swedish going over? Are you feeling to now, is it a barrier to, to work and does it make it easier to, to have the language? Going over, I had nothing. I could ask where my keys were because that was the conversation my wife and I had most often, and that was it. Uh, when I got over there, I got the Metro newspaper every morning because you'd watch the news on the TV, you know what was happening in the world. I started to pick it up that way. Within about a year, I could kind of get by, I could conduct conversations with that kind of thing. But amazingly, you get a lot of people now uh, who are moving over, who are journalists or who work in communications over here, and the first thing they do is they mail me and they go, Is there any work? And I go, Yeah. And you can either do one or two things, you can either work the way I do, but it's so much more beneficial to have the language. I started to learn it straight away. Uh, Danish, Swedish, and Norwegian are all quite similar, so I can read Norwegian and Danish. Uh, I can't speak Danish to save my life, but I get by in Norwegian as well. And it's a huge, huge advantage. There's actually there's a great journalistic benefit in it as well. Um, I've interviewed uh, Swedish guys where I'd be sort of set up the interview, go, yeah, right, you're good to go, everybody good to go, okay, and then the next thing I'll switch it to English, and it throws them off guard. So if it's somebody I want to try to catch out, it's an ugly little tactic to use, and it'll only ever work once with each person if they know they're a Swedish speaker. The other thing is that uh, the Sweden coach, Eric Hamrian, is very unsure of himself when he speaks in English, so I can often ask him questions that in Swedish he wouldn't answer, but he'd be trying so hard to make sure his English is correct that he'll, he'll give away the farm to be able to talk So from that point of view, from relationship building, from Dealing with other journalists there as well, I make a point of them. Um, Myself and Brian were joking this before, uh, joking on Twitter about this before we came here. We go, now don't give away all the secrets, okay? Go give away about half of them, you know. But I, I'd be very, very open about the way I work. I'd be very, very open about it. if anybody in this room asks me. Uh, the reason I wrote the Twitter handle up there is this comes with lifetime support. Any questions you have after today, you can find me on Twitter. Pose away, right? And um, when RTE were coming over, Tony O'Donoghue who's a good friend of mine, uh, the lad Adrian Eames. John Kenny, I've worked with these guys on and off. You know, they'll ask you a question, they'll ask for a number, you'll help them out. Knowing full well that if, when, if and when I move back to this country, maybe in 10 or 15 or 20 years, some of these guys will still be active there. I might need something off them for a Swedish newspaper when the return leg comes up in September. So I have absolutely no problem sharing those contacts where I'm allowed. If somebody hasn't said, please don't give out my number. And the same thing for the Swedes. And amazingly, last year, uh, they can be quite a reserved people until you get to know them. But I took sort of my way of working over to Kia for the European Championships last year. And there they're very much sort of, you know, keeping to themselves. And they have teams of five or six guys. And again, I'm there with the, the camera. For guys and girls working on sports, which is great to see. And I was there working with the camera. But if you're working in a mix zone and you have three players there at one time, you don't know who's going to say something interesting. So I'd switch files with people. I'd say, okay, I'll give you the file of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Or you give me that and I'll give you what Robbie Keane said. And I said, well, you know, if you go in a minute or whatever. And they were very, very distrustful of that to begin with. And the last game I did over there was Italy against England, uh, where Pirlo chipped in the penalty in the penalty shootout. And uh, by the time that we got to that, after three weeks together, everybody was doing it. It was, you know, it was like playing blackjack, you know, there was memory cards flying all over. Mm. <laughs> Paul, um, I just, Paul Garrett is my name. I'd just like to ask um, uh, a question. Um, because all, all of that sounds really exciting, and um, I think a lot of us here in the room um, are looking forward to well, how can we kind of um, you know engage with that and be part of this new media production? And um, like I, I do a lot of video, um, online video, and I'm finding um, that things aren't just moving as fast in Ireland really. So um, as, as what's happening elsewhere, 
And um, it says, when I look at the, the main papers, whether it's the Irish Times, the Independent, it's very staid in, in how it's kind of engaging with new technology. Or it's just because of all the cuts, it's, it's in-house. Yeah. Or else it's PA, where, where it's kind of yeah. filmed here and it's edited in the UK. And you have an English, fo- English voiceover. And there seems to be a real lack of um, you know, supporting and nurturing um, indigenous, um, or whatever, whatever flavour that indigenous um, mm-hmm. culture is. And I'm just wondering, um, how, how can we kind of turn that around? And I think that, that, that's, that's what we need to do. It's as if um, we're, we're stuck in a rut at the moment and there isn't enough funding out there, um, like the different models. I know that different people, I can talk to different people by setting up either cooperatives or trying to, to look at different different ways, but it just seems to, um, you know, if you, th- if you think the Irish Times can't, you know, make that step, well then what chance do we have? You know, so I'm just wondering, is, is there any kind of uh, way you can engage with that and talk about how can we have, because not everybody can be on the Pat Kenny show, you know, there's only so many spots there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't like I, that's exactly the problem I think like for example I did an overnight in an Iron Age settlement in Wexford a few weeks ago and I wrote a piece about it but while I was that should have been a video report as well it absolutely was perfect for video and there's absolutely no reason why I shouldn't have been the one to create that concept um, and what stopped you? Money. Well, I mean, I mean, I could have. I, I, I think I might have suggested that this would make ideal video as well. It wasn't picked up, but it, my worry would be if I start doing that, if I start adding additional uh, work for myself on without getting paid for it, um, that that will set the precedent. You know, and as I said, the, the the fees for features have declined so much in the last two to three years. Um, I'm not inclined to. I've sort of mentally shut off that revenue stream in a way in my head. Um, which is you know, unfortunate because it means you start looking at other ways. I think cooperative is a really good idea. I mean, because I think often I'm working with photographers who are excellent photographers, but they are now just trying to start to pick up video. And um, there's just so many lost opportunities at the moment for m- multimedia content that aren't being realised by, by by papers. I think cooperative is a really good idea. Yeah, I tend to, I'm trying to as much as I can in caucus to identify people coming out of media schools and to see can we, if I've got a good story I might tip them off and say you know you should get something on this or vice versa. So when you talked about collaboration earlier happening, what were you what for example were you talking about? Um, so so I have one or two friends who, a friend who's a news journalist in Ennis for example and uh, he was the person who told me about the two men living in, in, in the public bathroom last week he had filed a story for the Irish Times Gordon Deegan, his name is probably one of the best freelance news journalists in the country and Gordon had filed a piece for court report for the papers the next day, but texted me from court and said, it's a cracking story, you should try and get down to Dennis tonight. Mm-hmm. And he knows that I mentioned him on back any the next morning. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'll say, Gordon Deegan's great story today. I went down, I got in the car and went straight to Dennis. Two guys were outside the bathroom. So that kind of collaboration wouldn't have been happening a couple of years ago. But Gordon knows now it's as important for his name to be mentioned uh, on radio and for mm-hmm. his for his editors to hear that his name was mentioned on radio. Uh, so we're not, he's not working in a vacuum anymore. Um, the collaborative side is that I find now if I've got the BI round is coming up on the 6th of June, I probably don't have time to myself come up with, you know, to do documentation for four or five separate ideas that I have. So I, I will work with two or three other people and we'll co-produce. You know, it might be my ideas, but I'm very happy for someone to be co-produced around it and to split the fees just simply because it helps for me to keep the output going. Um, I'm not reliant on that to pay the bills, but uh, you know, it is an investment. To it. Mm-hmm. Just getting back to what Paula was saying there about um, 
the opportunities are there. Are there. Now, uh, Brian and I work in slightly different ways. I probably would have done it differently to Brian. I probably would have taken the camera and done it anyway. Now, what we have to do, if this is the way that we see things going, if we see that this sort of rich multimedia website is the newspaper in the future, well, then what we should be doing is going to the newspaper and saying, right, I have a story for you. Not that I have an article for you, or I have a picture for you, or I have a video for you. I have a story for you. The story is this package, right? You're going to get this text story out of it, you're going to get these three photographs, and you're going to get the video out of it. And it's going to cost you 800 euros if it works, right? And they go, well, I don't really want the photos, I can just use stock photos. Thank you, goodbye. And you go to the next guy. Because uh, that was what, the case of one of the, the Irish newspapers, an exclusive interview, and they made a sort of painful offer to me because I said, look, if this is where, where it's gone, I have the interviews and everything else, and they said no. And eventually somebody did take it off me, for not as much as I would have hoped, but they still took the whole package yeah. off me. But the problem is often the mindset well, will be, okay, where's the story? It's in, it's in uh, and you'll say it's in Cork. Well, we've provisioned, we've worked with that, that agency for years, they'll do the picks. Mm. And that is a problem, and it's, it's that mindset, I think, that, that rigid mindset, which is, you know, it's, it, it, it's a real issue for but, but like anybody else in business, uh, as freelancers in particular, what we are doing is selling a solution to a problem that they have, okay. right? Now, at the moment, I was with one of the major Irish newspapers there about three weeks ago, and I'll see them again uh, tomorrow morning, and they, they are so living in fear of the, inter- of the internet, right? That nowadays, they didn't have a website maybe a year or two years ago, and a lot of Irish newspapers didn't. And now they finally have a website, but they don't actually put anything up there. So there's nobody, you know, oh, well, no, you know, we can't get advertising. Of course you can't get advertising. You've no content, so you've no traffic. You know, it's very, very simple. So they live in fear of these things. And what we have to do is help them to understand that not only will good texts written by us will drive traffic to their website, but good videos made by us will drive an entirely different class of consumer there. And all of a sudden you're over, they are so afraid of the Pandora's box, but the Pandora's box is not going away. And we're part of the solution for them. If we can say, look, you, know, you don't actually have to open a studio down in Abbey Street or down in Talbot Street or wherever it is you happen to have your location there. Well, we're out there, we're doing it. They don't have to pay our pension contributions. We have to look after that ourselves. If we have a, one have a day off, we have to look after that ourselves. We're taking all the risk in this instance. All we're asking them for is the work and they need the content anyway. And it's up to us then to get them to understand it. And again, I'll be in London next week with Reuters. Reuters is one of the biggest news agencies in the world, right? They have sport, they have pics, they have TV. And trying to get the three to do the one story kills me all the time. Now, I've done, I spent three weeks in Kiev last year doing these stories in video, in pics, and they were massive. I did one story about French soccer fans who weren't even playing in Kiev. France weren't even playing there. But they went there to watch England play in Italy and to shoot Kalashnikovs. That was their thing, you know. This was the tourism upswing in Kiev. Was getting the, the video went, the pictures went, the text went. It went on Reuters Life, which is uh, the kind of features that Richard was talking about earlier on. This was a huge story. And I think yeah, that, well, that was a great bonus. That wasn't a great bonus. This is the kind of thing that you guys need to be doing in the future because it's far cheaper to do all those things at once when everybody is in the one place than to pull them all in. Mm-hmm. Do you find it hard to operate at all these levels at the same time? I think I have ADD, so I think that makes it easier. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, do, I, find it, I find it hugely stressful, but th- this is why I do what I do. The, I, I really love that. I, like, I remember standing in a lift in Kiev, and this guy got into the lift. I just pressed the, the button for my floor. I said, oh, I see it's all kicking off down the street, and I just ran down the street <laughs> back and my back and yay, it's all kicking off. And if you're running around taking pictures and videos and that kind of thing, it's immensely stressful. And there is that thing, as Mary was saying, of making beginner's mistakes, of not having your headphones on, of something being out of focus and that kind of thing. But I'd rather be there making the small mistakes like, iron out later and knowing that you know I, I might be able to make a thousand euros in a couple of hours work today Good, hi. Uh, very interesting to talk about guys. Um, I can sort of identify with kind of uh, Brian's um, experience of like our fees for features is totally plummeted uh, of making 
Oh, well, Philip, what you said there about a technology website they're paying a pretty good rate for energy. It's like, you know, better rate than the Sunday Times would. Most yeah. people would, for example. By extension of that, because any experience for online work I've done overseas, someone's getting money out of them. Yeah. And you're actually paying. And in terms of, you know, dealing with America, whatever kind of niche leasing it is, any difference in commissioning culture or any kind of general tips about that? I think it's kind of like over here that they're, they're all different certain guys you work out very very quickly that you can't trust them you know uh, I love news for in the UK because if I upload a video on the video sales I automatically get paid by PayPal the following day and that's yeah. it, it's tremendous you know now admittedly they'll pay you 300 quid for something that Reuters might pay you 500 quid for but if Reuters don't buy it and use for it next in the queue I'll take that it's, it's immensely difficult but again there's an awful lot of talk on Twitter if you sort of put it out there to somebody look at have you worked for technology review how did you find them and that kind of thing and that's another thing that the, the Dublin Freelance Forum and the NUJ that we should be looking to do I think there's forums at the back there to say what you get paid by who if it caused any difficulty and that kind of thing because that's the ultimate way of filtering it out is to be a network amongst ourselves there are certain people that I would absolutely never work for again because of the fact that you know uh, that one particular newspaper over here, knowing the fact that they weren't online at the time, told me that they didn't publish an article in a photograph that I sent them. They did. And they tried to get out of pay before. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll, I'll never work for those guys again. I'll get to one second. Uh, it's a terrible problem over here because, like, you know, if you fall out with people and then you start working for them very quickly, you've nobody left to work for. So you kind of have to be a little bit judicious in that. Mm -hmm. you know? Brian, do you want to say um, the featurewell.com? Do you want to say something about just pitching to them and, and how they work well they will only take pieces that have been printed already so really yeah, yeah, right. yeah they're not interested in pieces that, are, that haven't been printed um, so for example they will buy uh, second Irish rights and worldwide rights for a piece of mine that might run in the Irish Times and um, as I said it's a 60-40 split I can't, still haven't figured out, I've been writing for maybe five years and been syndicating with them and I haven't figured out the kind of stuff to go for it's just very odd, sometimes it's uh, airline stories they seem to like um, travel stories they used to but in the last two years I know very few people are picking up on, on travel pieces um, and they just enjoy strong human interest the kind of diddly eye Irish stuff they love um, I had some experience of pitching directly say to the LA Times and people like that over the years and I found that a very complicated long process the LA Times I think I uh, signed a 24 page contract for uh, one interview once with Ken Lunch and um, <coughs> you know <laughs> um, the so Featurewell are great, David Wallace is a really good guy he's, he's, he, but again they, they don't take, you know I've often offered him um, pictures or I've offered him bits of audio and he's not taking it at the moment so yeah there, I think there's space there for <coughs> some sort of an agency in Ireland that is offering all those packages mm -hmm. together yeah they really set up an agency called Feature Flare. Feature Well. 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 Again, that, that's the whole rights thing. Is he sort of took your picture? No, yeah, no, but it was like the fact that they couldn't even go and like what I do is very niche with the uh, yeah, yeah. industry, and 
it's just the fact that they couldn't even go and just pay the small amount that it was. I just think that. Well, that's, that, that's the pressure that people have on their budgets. I mean, to me, yeah, but we're talking of peanuts. Yeah, yeah maybe a very, very small amount of money. Yeah, that, that's the really annoying thing. That you know, uh, you get the, the whole thing of oh, the teacher get exposure. I don't need exposure. I need money at the end of the day. Yeah, 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 but but yeah. the problem with that is, it's, for me, it's yeah. Well, they're the kind of guys that you know you kind of have to drop. Like I wouldn't even pick up the phone to them anymore. Well, I, I had that recently. I interviewed Rosanna Davidson just before Christmas for the Irish Times, and um, I. W- that was a piece I thought because she's posing for Playboy US in oh. April I thought well that's a piece that's definitely going to syndicate you know it's quite a good interview yeah. you know and um, I had that lined up with feature but I think I was online one day I not say I was googling was Anna Davidson but I somehow <laughs> came, across, came across the thing and the Irish Voice which is the Irish um, what's it called online Neil yeah. Irish the Irish Central dot com yeah. there was the interview I mean okay they had topped and tailed it there was pretty much the interview yeah. and an Irish website had done the same as well so um, that obviously impacted on my ability to syndicate in the US um, hugely. I've seen huge chunks of this. I mean, it was way beyond fair usage. Um, and I very quickly fired off an email to Neil and fired off an email to the Irish website. Now, took a little bit of back and forth with, with, with Neil for them to drop it, but eventually they did on the pretense that I said, well, look, you're doing me out of a couple of hundred quid here. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, and the Irish side were quite apologetic. But yeah, that is something that. It makes indication hard at the moment. Um, the, you know, the stuff you talk, like I do a lot of commercial copies still, and I'm very glad to have it, editorials, property supplements. And I think that's one thing you learn as a freelancer is to never uh, never have too much of, you know, of an ego, really, yeah. isn't it? That, that you have to spread yourself out beyond uh, as much, as, as wide as you can within a particular newspaper. That's the thing I would have found with the Irish Times over the years. So as likely to see me in the health supplement, the feature pages, property supplement. Um, writing the odd opinion piece, and you, you can't allow yourself to be too easily or easily stereotyped or pigeonholed. And I think if you do in Ireland, you're, you're not going to have a, a great career out of it. That's been my experience. Yeah, I well, I would, I would certainly take the point about uh, as a freelance, spreading yourself. You know, I mean, I spread myself as thin as margarine sometimes, <laughs> depending on, like, I write anything about anything, even though I'm known for consumer and personal finance. But I think there's a fine line, I think as freelancers, we owe duty to ourselves not to do too much free work. And I know we've all had the experience, and I get it every week of radio producers ringing me. And, and these would be kind of 12 year old researchers saying, Could you, would you come on and do an item on such and such? Mm-hmm. Now, I, take, I made a New Year's resolution last year, beginning of last year, the hardest one I ever made was to turn down free radio. Unless I could see the clear benefit of the profile in it, not because the producer was saying this would be great for the profile. Um, sorry, honey, I have a profile. That's why you rang me. <laughs> there, is, there is a really fine line, and I think we're not do, we're doing a disservice to freelancers coming behind us to do so much free work because it fills radio space, <coughs> that you know you, you're kind of saying this is okay, and it's really not okay. It's really not okay. And I think if you're a staff writer who's been paid a salary, you're expected to tell yourself around a few radio students or TV studios because your, your editor is happy. As a freelancer, I'm just simply not prepared to do that. And when I started saying no last year, and it's really hard to say no now because you think nobody's ever going to talk to me ever, ever, ever again. But two interesting things happened. Two radio stations dropped me because they clearly had no budget and were never going to have a budget, mm-hmm. and that was mine. It was costing me to win on the train or car, park, do the thing. It would cost me 20 quid to do the item for nothing. Mm. Um, so they dropped me, and what was more interesting is that another three 
distracted pain from previously they had pain. Yeah. Yeah. So you do have to bite that bullet sometimes. Yeah. It's a really hard thing to do. Don't, I don't know these ears are established yeah. if you're not established. But we're not helping um, other freelancers by... There'll always be somebody to do it, but if they want good quality somebody to mm-hmm. do it, you know, they have to be prepared to pay. a great journalist when I was starting out and he said to me, he said, whatever it is, get paid. He said, it doesn't matter what it is, it could be 5 euro, it could be 10 euro, 50 euro, 100 it could be whatever it is, get paid. If you're a professional, professionals get paid. Everything else is... Well, that's the thing, it doesn't matter what it is, it's a common respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that, that, that's what it comes down to. I mean, that's why, I mean, that, that company that called you up and said that, I mean, you get it all the time. I've had situations where, you know, people take pictures, as a friend of mine down in Longford who used to live in Dublin, and his pictures used to show up all over the place. And the yeah. first thing you do, and you can actually track your images on Google now because they, they have this kind of, it's kind of like fingerprinting where you can see who has used your images. And if they haven't paid them, they've got to just send them an email and an invoice. And there you go. I do. You know? Mm-hmm. It's I the only way because... Even when the producer said there's no fee, because hmm, what, what have I got to lose by doing that? Oh. Or, or I cut the item dead, because when the producer gets on, they say, great, no problem, happy to do it, what's the fee for this item? Yeah. Before I even just got content, it separates them out. That's it. Really, <laughs> we have that argument. Well, Brian was mentioning uh, the documentaries there. We had a 41 in Sweden last year, Pat O'Mahony was over doing a, a radio documentary. I actually pitched it to RT first, and I said no, and then Pat went back to the BAI and got it, and I was about gaining football over there, and I was driving the minibus down to the tournament. And a radio station rang him to do a piece on the radio. He said, Right, and what's the fee? All right, uh, uh, but you still haven't paid me for the last time. Mm-hmm. And that conversation is that I ended very, very quickly. Okay. You've both mentioned BAI. Do people know what the Sound and Vision funding round is? Does anybody not know? Sound and Vision BAI. Basically, it's a program where 80% of fill in a form and 20% of documentaries. Yeah. <laughs> I think you want to, to just say something about it because it is a really useful form of funding for, for radio and TV independent production. Yeah, so we, I mean, it's straightforward in one sense. The, the next round is the radio and TV round on the 6th of June. I think the focus this time is going to be a little bit more on radio. Uh, the last round is slight, slightly a little bit more focused on TV. You just need a broadcaster to commit. And, uh, and it needs to fall within the basic criteria of the BAI there are all sorts of he- headings related to Irish culture heritage, and so on, heritage, heritage education. culture education yeah. um, and uh, it, it is a torturous process uh, to, to trying, to get, trying to get your idea to fit within, to hit their, their buzzwords to, you know it, it just seems that the goalposts change slightly every year in terms of how much you can pay yourself like I am doing a one hour for news talk uh, which is going out the 11th of May I'm not going to make any money out of it I really undersold the uh, I didn't put enough in for the budget um, it was two of us two of us working on it and I think we'd get two and a half thousand euros for it um, it, it won't even cover the cost really you know but, it, but that's fine for me it's useful to keep to keep that going um I think there are people you can pay to get advice on the BAI process. I've heard really? people can hey. people can BAI your application, mm-hmm. and I think the deal is that you pay them. Yeah, and I think people will, will will help you with it. And if you don't get funded, you don't have you don't pay them. If you do get funded, you give them a couple of hundred quid or something. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mary, could I just, uh, yeah. Simon Bevley, my name. Yeah. I happen to have some knowledge of that BAI process because I have, for my sins, in the past been an assessor on sound and vision for radio programs I'm a former radio producer um, one of the interesting things about it is and it is that the application process is, is a bit tortuous they want a lot of detail because they need to be sure that what they're paying for will become a program um, so there is a, a bit of there are a number of hoops that people have to go through but one of the interesting things is if you make an application and they turn it down you can apply again 
in a subsequent round and they will give you feedback on the basis of why it was turned out. Mm. And the actual assessment process is that there are two external assessors who uh, don't even know each other, who aren't, you're not told who your other assessor is generally. They assess them individually, write recommendations on them, and then the second assessor on an internal assessor goes through the process. So it is a very carefully done process to be, and maybe I would say that wasn't I involved in but to be fair to the AI, it's a very carefully monitored process. But one of the good things is if you do give them something, they will give you feedback mm. as to why, you know, was it the editorial idea that didn't work, was it the treatment that didn't work, was it that the budget was just too high for what seemed to be proposed or whatever. And very often on repeat rounds, people do get funding where they didn't get them first rounds. Just might be helpful to people to know that. Fine, thank you. Thank you very much. You should set up this. Biggest yeah. problem yeah. I've had is no, that'll be a conflict of interest. <laughs> <laughs> biggest problem I've had with it is the actual budget part. Of the for I mean, they they, they they virtually want an entire treatment and script at some yeah. stage before you've interviewed, which is a bit. So basically, I mean, one guy told me just write fiction. Well, and, and then yeah. you send in a revised version later and you just say yeah. the plan has changed because of subsequent research but the actual numbers on it, it it's I mean there's a thing called UX in computing, user experience and it, it needs UX it needs to be yeah. gone through so that it's obvious what's been asked for because you're looking at, an, at, at a, a phrase and there's a box to put a number beside it for how much it's going to cost and you're not even, well what exactly goes in that box? Yeah. And then it's over four pages and refer to column B of subsection two on page nine, and you know it, it's like the the instructions for you know IKEA furniture. But it's right what you're saying about the sounds because when you're making radio, uh, I've a tendency with say if you're pitching for French, you'll say, well, I'm going to go to New York, I'm going to interview such and such a person, and that's going to be the first five minutes, and then from there I'm going to go. But with the BI treatment, you have to say the first sound you'll hear is a New York taxi driver. You know, you're, it's downtown Manhattan, you're going to hear the traffic outside. It pulls to a screech outcome. You, you really have to describe it, don't you? To paint those pictures with, with text on the form, which is very hard if, you have, if you're not there and you obviously don't have the budget to go there and research. So in a way, kind of make it as broad as, as you can and then maybe refine it over the, over the course of once you get the funding and you figure out that the people you've put down will actually want to be interviewed and so on. Um, could, I, could I, as a constructive suggestion, say to... to uh, Gerard, that it would be worthwhile for the NUJ uh, formally approaching the BAI about the nature of the application. We've done that. I haven't actually seen the application go down to applicants, yeah. to be honest. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if it's that complicated and if it's that poorly done in terms of the information that's being provided, mm -hmm. go back to them and say, look, our members are having real difficulty with this. Freelance people can't get their head around what you want. And I'd say they'd be fairly responsive. I'm also involved with uh, AIRPI. Um, mm -hmm which actually might be an even better one because they have formal links all the time with BAI sure, so yeah. I can definitely and, do that and that's the Independent Radio Producers Association um, Association of Independent AIRPI.ie or .com I can't remember which and if you do get lucky and get um, Found in Vision funding you have to allow days at the end of the project for doing the accounts and the final report so factor that into the budget because it, 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 it's, it's, it's like being a farmer you spend 20% it, of your time dealing with the cattle and 80% of your time doing <laughs> out the farms for Brussels and of course, before you ever apply, you have to discuss with the broadcaster who's willing to broadcast. And, and, and give, give you a letter of commitment. Yeah. Yeah. To, to that tends that, to be the yeah. easiest part of it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Usually it's a two minute phone call.
Okay, we, we have about five minutes left, so if there's any questions for the lads on uh, gear, or training, techniques, technology, how do you use Pro Tools? I um, actually have a question for Brian, and I come um, to this, I guess, from a sound perspective, because I'm a sound recorder and a sound artist, so I'm just interested in what you were saying about the Zoom, you know, and the fact that you let it to work. So I was just wondering, how, um, is there a sort of dedicated um, uh, audio editors that work in Radio NRT, how many are there? And also, how do you get to that to this position? Um, I don't know in terms of how many audio editors they are. What I do is I edit my clips, so I generally have six separate slips per report, no more than one minute forty each, although some will tend to go up to two minutes. But I just edit them, I send them in, I write the script and I'll tee up the clips and sometimes the projector <coughs> may, may shorten or or whatever or may clean up where where it needs to be. Um I, how do I get to there? I just I don't know, just keep knocking on the door. I really don't take no for an answer. And I think the first time uh, to send in the full report, I think sometimes people make the mistake of, I've got this great idea, instead of saying, here is a good report, which I think will work really well on your, on your show. Have a listen to it. I, don't, I, I always think that people give people an extra decision to make where you shouldn't really. You know, It's actually quite easy to get commissioned. So is on, on just yeah, just, just on RTE. RTE do have a whole team of sound engineers, not as big a team as they used to have, um, but they do have a team of sound engineers, some of whom specialise in things like documentary making. The people you have been working with with Doc on one, Ronan and Kelly, the top grade of the engineering yeah. um, end of things in terms of sound engineers, but they do have a staff of sound engineers that work with people on programs. Yeah. <coughs> For you, like Ronan Kelly, who's the Curious head of here, is here, is really approachable guy. Ronan Kelly is his name, and he's very. Uh, I think he lectures in DCU as well, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very approachable guy and really, really, really good on advice. Yeah, I guess on my end, I've been working with commissions through the public art commission, but it's more in the creative and sort of artistic side, but I'm very interested in kind of making these conditions. They're all archived. Sorry. The Curious Ear would be perfect, perfect. then. Yeah. Have yeah. a listen to the Curious Ear. There are mini docs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Put together one or put together a pitch and just email one. Might be art. It's about seven or eight hundred euros or something. Might be our last question. Just a question. Well, when you're editing videos, what software are you using? I use Final Cut Pro. I use Adobe Premiere for a couple of years, but I always found that anytime I try to put titles on it, which is not something I recommend for news videos, they would always crash. I moved to Final Cut Pro, and it's like being born again. It's just, it's tremendous. You can strip out the audio, you can fire it off to dead cows, you can do it really, really quickly. It's what you see, it's what you get. It's really, really easy to use. And once you get used to doing it, and you know in the back of your mind then what the TV producer or what the commissioning editor wants, it's really, really quick to do. Uh, I would recommend using Macs. I haven't used PCs for years. I'd recommend getting as much RAM as you can and say, having, having some extra in your pockets as well, just in case, because it really is intensive when you're trying to do a lot of things at once. But uh, once you get that around then, and it'll have a decent 3G or 4G, you can be producing pretty good video and firing it up there pretty quickly. Have you distributed it? Uh, I've distributed it. If nobody buys it off me, if, if I call Sky, AP, Reuters, and if they don't want it, then I'll distribute it through Newsflare, or else I'll go directly to 
the web TV stations that have started up uh, attached to newspapers in Sweden, they pay very, very well. I did a very short piece here for them. Uh, I mean, it was literally a minute worth of stuff about what Irish people thought about Latin Ibrahimovic. There's a couple of box box down at Davidson Park. I think they paid me 600 quid for something that, and, uh, you know, I was passing by the car and I thought the lights are on. I don't see what's going on. And th- that's the kind of thing, though. If you have the kit in the bag, it's possible to do those things. But if you don't have it, or if you don't have, you know, if you're not switched on to the possibility of doing a multimedia story like that, then you won't be able to do it. Right. You should be running the country. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did try and tell them what to do with tourism in Sweden. Can we thank Ryan Phillips?